I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Sharon Kahn. Sharon Kahn is an abortion rights and reproductive health program director at Media Matters, and she's here to discuss a new report from Media Matters, which details a 12-month-long study of evening news programs. And their study uncovered something that was really fascinating. The study revealed that both CNN and MSNBC were not only allowing Fox News to dominate abortion-related conversations, but it also revealed that their own coverage, the coverage from MSNBC and CNN, was being influenced by the misinformation on Fox News. This report from Media Matters is something that everyone should pay attention to. So here is my conversation with Sharon Kahn. Sharon Kahn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So the Media Matters report is titled, Other Networks Are Letting Fox News Poison Abortion-Related Coverage with Dangerous Lies. And it was so fascinating to me because it destroyed an assumption I'd made that if you don't watch Fox News, you're safe from the lies about abortion, right? And as long as you avoid Fox News, you're free from consuming their misinformation about abortion. And this Media Matters report just blows that assumption out of the water. Right. I think that is, this is the fourth year that we've done this study. We do a version of it every year, trying to look at a year's worth of cable news conversations about abortion. And I think something that's been always surprising to me every year is not just how much misinformation there is on Fox, but how much of that misinformation by virtue of having an agenda setting effect or by virtue of sort of driving larger meta media narratives either shows up in the form of talking points on other networks or shows up, frankly, just in sort of the frame that the conversation is being had in. So I do think that, you know, every year it never ceases to amaze me just how much misinformation and lies tacitly even show up places that you might think you're inoculated from them. But in reality, nothing is isolated. I think there's this assumption that if we can get our uncles or our grandparents away from Fox News, right, you know, that they're safe from the misinformation. But that's just not true. Right. I think that, you know, we looked at, like I said, a year worth of data. So there's tons of different flashpoints or sort of examples that we can really dig in on. But I do think that one of the things that always is striking about the examples is when we see networks like CNN and MSNBC either allowing guests or correspondents to echo inaccurate talking points in their coverage or when in the course of sort of these like super panels where we have like 10 people, you know, all on the screen trying to talk about different issues where in the course of things, there will be talking points or arguments made that just never get pushed back on because they're not the central focus. But, you know, a right-wing or right-leaning commentator who's on the network might have an investment in continuing to have those talking points be part of a conversation. And so I think it is, you know, sometimes it is as simple as a guest makes a comment or makes a statement and it doesn't get pushed back on by a host. And in other instances, it's something where because the terms of the debate have been set, you know, we might have examples of hosts who are repeating talking points that really don't hold water because that's just the conversation that's being had. That's sort of the terms that it's discussed with. We should really dig into that because a lot of people complain about MSNBC, for instance, or CNN giving people, giving, you know, certain conservatives airtime, you know, which I think generally just on its face, you know, I think that's fine. But when you give airtime to someone who's known for spreading lies, I think that's a different thing altogether. You can have a healthy debate between people, people who don't share the same ideology. But when you give airtime to someone who's known for spreading lies, you know, actual lies, it just gives them a platform to legitimize those lies, partly because I think people rarely question a network's judgment around who they decide to have as guests. Yeah, I think that's true. Like you said, it's not that you know, 
these networks shouldn't have conservative voices or that there's not a legitimate ideological conversation to be had. But at least in the context of abortion, especially, you know, the ideological conversation is not being had in ways that are either representative of reality or that, you know, speak to the voices that should have the most say on these things. For example, I don't know what good it does for viewers to have three or four segments with, for example, you know, like a Trump spokesperson who's coming on CNN to say that Democrats support you know, extreme later abortions, when the conversation around later abortion access, we should be talking to an abortion provider, a medical professional, somebody that's had an abortion. It just doesn't seem worthwhile, in my opinion, and based on the data that we've seen, to continue having the same political conversations or the same ideological conversations without acknowledging the realities of abortion access and making sure that viewers have an accurate picture of what that really looks like. You know, also, there are just some topics, you know, in my opinion, that just aren't up for debate. Like take climate science, for instance, or in this case, the data, the actual data around late term abortions and to entertain debate around things that are factual, you know, knowing that one side isn't coming to the debate in good faith and it's just there to present a non-factual case, you know, a non-scientific argument that implies that there are two equal sides to that debate, right? And that's just another way to give credence to these lies. Right. I think that's a structural issue with how abortion is discussed and not just abortion, lots of issues like you mentioned. But at least in the context of abortion related coverage, we'll have networks that are attempting to be nonpartisan or are attempting to be fair to both sides. And by doing that, we'll create false equivalencies between people who are being loud about their opinions versus, you know, the science or the facts or the lived realities of people who are accessing abortion care. And we know that those two things are not equally representative. And the science should be the thing that dictates the conversation and experts should be the one leading it. Exactly. So I just want to go through some of the numbers that this year's report uncovered. And by the way, I hadn't realized that you do this every year. <laughs> you know, I thought that this was just a one a one year report. So, you know, bless you for that. <laughs> this is definitely the biggest data set we've had. So it kind of feels like it was, you know, a different entity altogether. But yeah, you deserve a trophy just for doing that, just for listening to a year's worth of Fox News coverage. So so thank you very much. Yes, that's right. So anyway, you found that Fox News aired 94% of the coverage about four common abortion-related topics, and they were wrong 85% of the time. So they were wrong 85% of the time. So out of the three networks in this report, they covered 94% of abortion-related topics, and they were wrong 85% of the time. So they're actually doing most of the coverage, and most of the coverage is actually wrong, Right. So what other networks did you actually look at? Was it just MSNBC and CNN? So in this study, we just looked at MSNBC and CNN. And in particular, we looked at the evening primetime lineups for each of these networks. I think that something that's also interesting about that is that, you know, I think there's something, especially, you know, in our current political context where we know that there's a relationship between the White House and between Fox News. And so I think although we have done this study every year, something that was really interesting to me as we were going through all of these segments was just how often talking points that were happening on Fox News were finding larger you know, larger purchase in political conversations and at times even made their way to the White House or to political statements being made by the president, for example, in the State of the Union. So I think that something that has been I think more apparent to me in this version of the study or this year's iteration has been that it's not just that Fox News is the loudest on this issue, although, you know, consistently across every time we've done it, they have been the loudest. It's that 
Fox News is loud and they're filling a void that's been left by CNN and MSNBC in talking about this issue, you know, to give sort of another number, not to throw more numbers at you. But, you know, Fox News aired 334 segments with substantial conversations or substantial discussions about abortion. In comparison, MSNBC aired 115 and CNN in that same time period had only 77 segments which means that even if there were conversations happening about abortion, they were happening in a way that was like a one-off or were not in any depth that viewers would be able to get an understanding of the issues. It's not just that Fox is loud. It's that Fox is filling a void and flooding the zone with misinformation. And I think something that's been very clear from the data this year is that it's not just that they're creating an imbalance in the amount of coverage. It's that it creates this ossified you know, difficult to sort of debunk at a certain point misinformation, because by the time other networks begin to engage in these conversations, so much of the terminology or so much of the framing in people's minds, the mental heuristic is set and it's very difficult to break out of those. So it's not just that the coverage includes things that aren't true, you know, lies. The ubiquity of the coverage is also harmful because other networks are barely discussing these abortion topics in comparison. And I wonder if that speaks to an earlier point that I'd made in that, you know, for those on the left, this really isn't up for debate because we generally make the assumption that abortion care is a constitutional right and bodily autonomy right is protected. So, so you know, we think, what is there to debate? But for conservatives, because this doesn't align with their ideology or their personal views, there is a debate to be had. It's something that I've been thinking a lot about in the context, not just of our study, but also in the context of somebody who, like you mentioned, consumes a lot of cable news about abortion. And I think that there's a different, it's almost a different incentive structure for abortion-related stories on Fox than it is on other networks. For example, you know, Fox News is, I think, anecdotally more likely to engage in substantive conversations about abortion because, one... Uh, they are very invested in the talking points and the messaging that Democrats or whoever supports abortion are extreme. Um, and there's lots of different flavors of that, but just sort of as a category. And so anytime they can tie something to abortion or they can use abortion as an example to feed a larger narrative about, about culture war, about democratic extremism, about how unhinged the left has become, you know, it's a means to an end and it's something that they know animates their viewers. So I think they are more likely to engage in conversations and the volume at which they have them is just different. Whereas, you know, CNN and MSNBC, when they're having these conversations, the incentives for them to do so and the sort of way that they approach the story are different. It's more often a horse race story. It's about the political ramifications of a policy decision. Whereas on Fox, they're more likely to bring it up often <laughs> and in sensationalized ways because it serves a larger agenda setting purpose for them. And I think part of that also has a lot to do with frankly, the way that abortion stigma operates both in media and in conversations outside of the media context. We know that Fox News isn't going to be afraid to say abortion, even if their you know, articulation of abortion is something that we know is inaccurate and sensationalized. Whereas something that's become clear to me doing this study multiple years in a row now is just how many different ways media and at times people who support the right to abortion access will try to get around saying the word abortion just because there's a stigma associated with it that I think probably comes from years and years of hearing messaging from Fox News. 
So aside from the the panel example, can you give me an example of how some other networks, networks like CNN and MSNBC, would spread information about abortion? And also, can you speak to any motivation they'd have, you know, since they don't have the same incentives or motivations that Fox News would have? Yeah, I think there are a couple of scenarios where we saw CNN and MSNBC repeating inaccurate statements. One, like we mentioned, was a panel situation where, you know, a commentator or a guest says something and the host doesn't push back. I would say that was the most common thing we saw. In other instances, and I think this was especially true once we got into our 2019 data, is we would see hosts or guests who would echo inaccurate language or talking points. For example, you know, they might say, conservatives are very upset about infanticide allegations, period, end of sentence. There would never be a further statement that was like, and that's a sensationalized misrepresentation of later abortion access. You know, so I think stopping at the identifying the other side's argument when trying to say, you know, this side says this and this side says this. And I think the third example, sort of general category that I would say would be, there would be times where they would read And I think this one was definitely in the minority where they would like read a statement, for example, read like a tweet from Donald Trump or like read a tweet about abortion from Mike Pence. And they would say, like, here's an example of how it's being politicized, panel discuss. And so like utilizing the sort of straw person argument to set up a conversation, but then never really digging in on the merits of here's what's being said and like here's the accurate information to push back. Right. And and so what about the incentives? What is there to gain by left leaning networks in doing this? I think that. We talked a little bit about sort of Fox's incentives and talking about abortion are just very different from MSNBC and CNN. And I think part of it gets back to the framing that conversations about abortion take. So more often than not, CNN and MSNBC are covering abortion-related topics as a question of politics. I actually think a really good example of this would be the differences between how Fox and CNN and MSNBC covered the Kavanaugh confirmation fight. So, for example, we would see segments on Fox during this time where they would say something like, Democrats are going to would have attacked anybody like this because they want to protect the right to unlimited abortion on demand no matter what. Obviously, there's lots in that statement that is full of misinformation, but that would sort of be the prevailing narrative. Whereas on CNN and MSNBC, we would see a segment that wouldn't really debunk this argument by Fox News, but would say something like, You know, there are concerns on the left about the status of Roe. Do you think Trump knew that? And so they're just entirely different conversations. They're almost like two ships passing in the night where they're both talking about the same political event, but the way that they're talking about it is completely different. So in that example, it seems like with Fox News, it's intentional. But with other networks, it's more of kind of a passive act, right? You know, versus being intentional in that they're covering the topic as as news and not being corrective about the misinformation. Yeah, I think that would be, I think that'd be a fair assessment based on the segments we looked at. And obviously there are some exceptions. Like we do have examples in our data set of, you know, segments that happen. For example, I know that there were a few on Ari Melber's program, The Beat, where he brought in people to talk about like the status of abortion access if Kavanaugh were to overturn Roe. So there are exceptions, but I think on the whole, the trend is very much like you said, it's sort of a It's not that CNN and MSNBC are actively lying, although in some instances there are commentators who they are letting get away with things. It's more a lie by omission because they're not providing proactively the context or the, you know, conversations that need to be happening. As you're describing this, I'm always thinking about ways to correct this trend. 
And my first thought was, you know, there are people out there who can counter these false narratives in their sleep. You know, there are academics, there are authors, there are activists, you know, and they think about these topics, you know, abortion specifically every day and they have for, you know, a long time. You know, that's their forte. That's what they do for a living. And then I think about the people who often lead these panels. You know, I know often that they don't have the same level of expertise or, you know, they just can't recall off the top of their heads all the data on late term abortion statistics, just to use one example. And I guess my question is, is it too much to expect of them to be able to make a really nuanced argument in these complex debates? So, I mean, they're, they're, they're journalists. I think, I mean, yes, in an ideal world, (laughs) that would be great if everybody was equipped to have a very in-depth conversation about the realities of abortion policy. Being realistic, I do think that there are certain things that are reasonable to expect. For one, you know, I think the example I keep going back to is these conversations about later abortion, and that's just because it was so predominantly skewed in our data set. But I think it's not reasonable to expect everybody to be the most in-depth on every topic. But when there's something that You know, Fox News, for example, talked about this infanticide lie for almost six and a half hours before the State of the Union where Trump repeated the same talking point. And the coverage on other networks was minuscule. So if you're somebody that's setting up, you know, a panel or somebody that is assessing the news of the day and trying to get a sense of what's going on, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for sort of or be able to expect that they would recognize what those trends are and adjust accordingly. Like if you know those talking points are coming up on Fox News all the time, it's not unreasonable that you take a minute and prepare yourself for the possibility that a conservative commentator is going to say the same thing, I think is one. I think two, and you really gestured to this in your question, which is, I think it's about creating space and elevating the voices that have something to add to the conversation. So not every person, you know, has to be an expert on abortion policy, but I think it speaks to the necessity of making sure that we're bringing on guests who aren't just political commentators and instead talking to abortion providers, talking to people who have had abortions, talking to, you know, people of color, women of color who are running abortion advocacy, abortion funds, abortion advocacy groups, and making sure that those voices are getting time in the debate. Because if the conversation is going to be one where, you know, Fox News is being so loud and privileging so much misinformation, when you have the privilege of a platform like some of these people do, you know, I think using it in a strategic way would be something that could go a long way towards improving coverage. So one of the things that you point out in the report is that there are some shows on Fox News where the coverage on abortion is more concentrated. And two of the shows that you point out are, you know, and this should be no surprise, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. And, you know, again, that should be of no surprise. But my question is, is there an equivalent on left-leaning networks? Meaning, are there shows that are particularly less adept at countering the misinformation? I think it's a difficult comparison because the sheer amount of coverage we're talking about by volume is just so different. So, for example, in our data set, technically, you know, the Rachel Maddow show didn't air an inaccurate statement for the things we were coding for. But the overall number of segments that we were analyzing was so much smaller that it's almost not it's like almost an apples to oranges comparison. Um, I think something about to sort of get at the spirit of the question you asked, which is what about sort of equivalence on the left? And I think that, you know, there is an infrastructure mismatch in some ways. I think that right-wing media, and this is beyond just Fox News, the right-wing media ecosystem writ large 
is very much in message discipline with one another. And I think this is true, especially of abortion related topics where we'll see and on our website, we'll regularly track instances where, you know, a talking point will start, you know, on the Daily Caller or or will start on an explicitly anti-abortion outlet like LifeNews.com. And, you know, within a week, we'll see it sort of ricochet around that right wing media ecosystem and then end up in a segment on Tucker Carlson. So I don't think there are obviously voices on the left and there are obviously places where coverage is better than others. But I do think that there is a structural mismatch. And I do think that, you know, it's important that um, progressive voices continue to be outspoken about the necessity and the right of abortion access or about accurate information about abortion, because something we've seen, you know, across the years we've done this study and across different bodies of research at Media Matters is that you know, the loudest voice in the room when it comes to abortion-related conversations is not the most representative. And so continuing to champion voices and to uplift examples of good coverage, um, I think is something that's really valuable and would go a long ways going forward. So I think one of the issues in relation to what you've just said about the panels is that some of the networks, you know, rather than book an academic or an abortion activist, for instance, they will instead book a celebrity or someone who has a huge platform, someone with a celebrity sized platform. And that, of course, drives traffic and it drives viewers, which in turn drives their ad dollars or ad revenue. And if you're thinking about it purely from a business perspective, that makes sense. I personally find that really bothersome because I favor listening to people who've been on the ground, right? And frankly, that's one of the primary reasons I started the podcast. On abortion, for instance, I've interviewed women who are experts on abortion from a legal perspective, from a philosophical perspective, and, you know, activists who are on the ground. Because, you know, frankly, on a personal level, I was just really tired of hearing people regurgitate non-facts, right? And, you know, I think if networks shifted their focus on some of these panels and tried to balance them with people who have expertise, I would think that that would weaken the conservative efforts to spread lies about abortion. Yeah, I think that panel composition definitely plays into it. I think part of it um, comes in with, you know, sort of like we talked about just like the sheer number of segments, like even if, you know, there's one segment on MSNBC, that's good. Is that still enough to combat the six coming from Fox News? I think it's a complicated problem. And I think it definitely starts with continuing, like you said, to identify voices, uplift them and really contribute to proactive conversations about abortion rights and about accurate information about abortion coverage. And you're so right about message discipline. I feel like this is something I've been shouting about for for years that conservatives do really, really well to their benefit and progressives, you know, not so much not only on Fox News, but that discipline also carries over to their politicians. You know, they have an impressive but scary level of cohesion between the conservative media and their politicians in a way that Democrats have not been able to to do. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think that we've seen a lot of examples of that, you know, in the past few years alone. The example, the easy example is some of Trump's inaccurate language about abortion, like very clearly comes from Fox News. When he, before the State of the Union started repeating those talking points, he spoke to the Daily Caller and repeated them and sort of message tested it the first time. We also know that a lot of the anti-abortion outlets and groups that you know, do a lot of the message discipline or are responsible for sort of the echo chamber effect are very vocal about the fact that they feel like they have a lot of access and influence to Trump. And so I think that the pipeline of misinformation from outlets like Fox News and related right wing places um, directly to people who are holding the levers of power um, is something that is no longer hidden. It's very explicit. 
I mean, is part of the problem the fact that a lot of these news outlets want to appear to be fair and balanced? I think that it begs a lot of questions, obviously, because fair and balanced is, of course, Fox's original slogan or one of their slogans. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I do think that there is an, a- an aspect of that where, you know, questions of balance are very important. So one of the things I mentioned that we see a lot in coverage is false equivalencies. And a lot of the reason why people fall into the rhetorical trap of constructing false equivalencies in an argument is because they're striving to appear balanced and to have a sort of, you know, on one hand, on the other hand. This is something that is admittedly very granular and like getting sort of in the weeds on the data, but something that I think is interesting to look at beyond just like how many inaccurate or accurate statements certain correspondents or hosts have is the ratio um, of accurate to inaccurate statements. Because I know that there are people who, by virtue of the way that they cover certain things, usually have a fairly even split. And the reason for that is because they're constructing most of their arguments in sort of a structure that goes, you know, Trump says this, other groups say this, and they never weigh in. Um, I think that there's probably like a much, much larger journalistic conversation to be had. And I think people are having it about sort of what the line is between objectivity and um, editorializing in media. You know, we see that in conversations about like when you're writing a headline, for example, should you call out a lie for a lie? You know, I think my feeling would be in the context of the stakes of some of these conversations, you should call it out. But you know, I think there are large conversations happening about ways of dealing with this exact <laughs> question you're isolating. So for someone who says, you know, hey, I only watch Fox News for the news. I don't watch Laura Ingram. You know, you're still subjected to the same lies about abortion. You know, and I think that may be even more dangerous in some ways, you know, given that it's disguised as news. You don't think that you're consuming lies. You know, within shows on Fox News, and this goes back to Fox's articulation of who they think their audience is. You know, Fox has created a false dichotomy between their quote unquote news programming and their opinion programming. And I think something that was very clear to us from the data is that the opinion hosts, Tucker, Laura, Sean Hannity, oftentimes, even though the amount of misinformation on their programs was super high, we saw very similar numbers from the so-called straight news hosts like Martha McCallum and Shannon Bream. And I think there are many examples where anti-abortion misinformers or media entities will specifically go on shows like Shannon Bream's Fox News at Night or go on programs like Martha McCallum's uh, The Story. And they'll use that as a platform to speak to audiences under the veneer of credibility because those are the news programs. And this is true of things not just in the context of abortion, but I think across multiple issues for Fox is that we've seen time and again that their divisions between the two are very self-serving and inaccurate. Right. So so what does that mean exactly? I don't watch Fox News, so I'm not familiar with the shows you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But are you saying that they are intentionally blurring the lines between opinion shows and kind of these pure news shows? Yeah, it benefits them because Fox News at the end of the day is liable to their investors and to their shareholders. And so, you know, they... Earlier this year, we're going through a period where they were going to have to do a lot of the upfront sales for ads on the network. And you've probably seen related things about how, based on things that either Tucker Carlson has said or Laura Ingram has said, that advertisers have dropped their shows. Part of the reason why this dichotomy between or this division between news and opinion was constructed by Fox was to try and 
protect their bottom line and deceive advertisers into thinking that associating with the network isn't toxic. In fact, what looking at least at their abortion-related coverage tells us is that the same misinformation about abortion is almost as likely to show up on these so-called news programs as it is on the opinion ones. So if you're making a decision about not associating yourself with misinformation and you're doing it based on that division, you're probably you know, just as likely to get stuck with something you're not expecting. So for the news shows, for instance, when they cover abortion, are their accuracy rates equivalent to a show like Laura Ingram's show? Yeah. So for example, you know, Tucker Carlson's night made during the period of time we studied, there were 19 accurate statements for the four topics we were coding for. There were 19 accurate statements and 145 inaccurate statements. In comparison, a so-called news program like Shannon Bream's Fox News at Night aired 60 accurate statements, which is more than Tucker, but also aired 171 inaccurate statements. So I think that although they're not equivalent, like we can't say it's the exact same percentage, I do think that the amount of misinformation between the two is similar enough that it should give pause to people who are buying into this argument about the difference between the programs. So what can we do about this? As consumers of news, is there a way that we can counter this or combat this? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, One, and this is something that I always tell people, is that everybody just needs to be a very critical consumer of news, no matter what the topic. Obviously, in the context of abortion-related news, you know, I think it's especially important, but I do think that's a good rule of thumb across the board, is just be a critical consumer of information, vet sources, fact-check things, especially before you share them, is one. Uh, More granularly, though, I think, you know, providing more context is something that consumers of news and producers of news should be doing. And like we mentioned, continuing to think about the voices that you're elevating and continuing to think about, particularly as we continue to see states pass increasingly strict abortion bans, think about who's impacted by those and think about sort of the ways that conversations about those might be leaving people out and what the impact of that might be. Sharon Khan, thank you so much for joining me today. I think the report, again, is really, really fascinating, and I think it's something that everyone should read. I'll put a link to the report in the show notes, and I really, really do believe everyone should should read this. So thank you so much for doing this work. Yeah, thank you. The Electorate is produced by me, Jen Taylor Skinner. In fact, everything about The Electorate is independently produced and managed, from the recording to the audio production, graphics and social media. I do it all. And I'm not bragging. I have a small budget and it's a labor of love for me. Please consider supporting The Electorate on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash electorate. That's patreon.com slash electorate. For just $2 a month, you can help The Electorate grow. Thank you so much again for listening. And thank you so much for your support. Also, stay tuned because I'll be back next week with an all new episode.